Empowered Health, a podcast shedding light on how healing is an inside job. Keys to your inner power and total transformation. Discussing wholeness, wellness, and the effects of the mind on the physical and energetic parts of our being. A podcast to support you, moving from fear and pain into wellness and purpose. Belief, hope, connection, energetic keystones for transformation and inner power. Sacred knowledge that inspires us to look within, to find our own unique path. Empowered health, release and rewire to become what you truly are, strong, whole, and empowered. Welcome to the Empowered Mind, Empowered Health Podcast, the keys to empowered and heart-aligned living for the conscious game changers with Dr. Jane. Today we have Jay Onafre. Jay is the author of Who's Going to Stop Us Now? She's also a graduate of the Vancouver Film School and since has done many transformational media projects. Jay has been involved in health and wellness education and has had three near-death experiences, which she says has transformed her life. Jay is also the mastermind behind the scenes Thrive Tribes Global which is a paradigm shift into a whole new world where she's asking people to come, stand up, to rise and thrive. Welcome, Jay. Thank you, Dr. Jane. You're welcome. So good to be here. So where shall we start? Should we start with the question or this experience of these near-death experiences which have catapulted you into who you are today? Well, it's the juicy stuff. It is juicy. I love, I'd love to hear about it. Well, I, I have to laugh because when I hear you say three, I think, you know, because one's not enough, you know, you need to have three. I feel like a cat with nine lives. Um, so I'm getting low on my lives, apparently. Uh, you know, I, I don't know where to begin. They're huge epic stories each of them and really there's some ties that bind the stories but you know each is a book all in of of their their own the one that you touched on that's in lessons in letting go which is part of the series who's going to stop us now um, it's an anthology and that particular experience that i had i wrote about there in lessons in letting go and that really is the seed that I want to plant for people. I think that if you go through a near-death experience, you come back from it into this reality, into this, this consciousness, this world, and you're never the same. And putting it into words, it's impossible, really. It's just such an ineffable experience. And so when I think back to those times, I'm, I'm also not in that consciousness that I was at then. 
and I'm a different person now. And so what it's really taught me, all of those juicy experiences was that we have a lot less control than we think we do. <laughs> but as humans, we love to control. And so lessons in letting go was really my gift to myself, but also to people who would come across those words to let go of the sides of the riverbank. And it's a really hard thing to do. And I think this is the time to encourage people to do that because we're shifting very rapidly right now. We're in a time of great change and great transition and evolution. And we're really wanting to hold on to the sides and human beings notoriously don't want to let go. We don't like change. And so my near death experiences really made me a ninja at adapting and becoming adaptogenic with my ability to ride life and become a really good surfer. And probably the most powerful moment, kind of aha, if you will, that I had was um, I'm a surfer. And so speaking of surfing, one of my near-death experiences, um, it was one of the less medically traumatic experiences. The other two I flatlined and, and actually died and, and had a full, powerful, really intense experience. The one I'm referring to as a surfer, um, I got pulled out by a riptide. And it was an incredibly scary experience because for anyone out there who spent time in the ocean or understands how riptides work, I got pulled out and I just kept getting further and further away from shore. I, I lost my board and I was being tumbled about and I kept trying to find air, but the waves were crashing down on me. And there was this point where I was, I was, I'm a good swimmer, um, trained lifeguard. You know, you think I've got this, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fight the current. I'm going to find my way out. And there comes a point in life where we realize that we can't continue to fight our way through things or muscle our way through things or force things. And so this is where I often encourage people to read a book called Power Versus Force. Um, Mr. Hawkins, amazing, amazing human being who wrote about the levels of consciousness. And surrender and letting go is not a really natural state for many people, which is why I got into meditation. And meditation is that, you know, allowing ourselves to let go of control and be and sit with what is. So in all of my near-death experiences, I had a moment, all very different in their outer appearance, but the inner transformation that occurred and going, I'm here in this moment and there's only so much I can do externally. There comes a point when I need to let go. And I, I, went into a deep state of trust and the water in the ocean was tossing me around and spinning me. And I just took finally a big breath of air and I just held it. And I went into a very womb like position. And I knew that in that moment, I thought I did think I was going to die. I mean, I was barely, it was, it was very, I was very far from shore. I was very, very, you know, close to not being able to, to breathe well. And all of a sudden things went really dark and really quiet and really still. And it's in that space where so much of our existence lives, but we seldom live there. 
And there I was again, because again, this is the third time, you know, obviously the cosmic two by four hit me several times to give me this really deep understanding that the nature of reality is more of what's going on in the inner space. And in the, you know, we're, we're all this matter. 99.9% um, .9 of this matter is space. And we're so consumed with what's happening in the outer world and, and what we perceive, you know, the, the ocean, you know, all of these things that present themselves to us. When in reality, our reality is created from within. And when we can go to those places, um, Wayne Dyer, you know, geniusly called it the gap, you know, different people, Eckhart Tolle calls it the now, the power of now. And for me, when I really realize that we always have that, it's free. It's our access point to all of our power. It's our access point to our ability to thrive, to access all things, all realm of possibility and genius. And that it's right there in the space between the breaths and in the letting go and in the unclutching. And when I did that, and I went into trust knowing, look, I, maybe this is it for me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is it for me. And if it's it for me, there comes a point where I said, so be it. But if not, I need to let go. And I let nature and the waves just wash me into shore. And of course, when I finally got to shore, as I did, and because we know it, because I'm speaking, it was a happy ending. But when I finally crawled up on shore, I mean, land was never so glorious. <laughs> I was just kissing the, kissing the sand and just exhausted. And it was finally the third time, actually, of, of having that close of a near-death experience that I really realized what all of these great masters and all of these great teachings are teaching us which is the importance of going into the space between the notes because we always want to fill the space, right? We're really good at it as human beings. So um, now, of course, since then, I've been a meditator. I get up four o'clock every morning and I meditate and I do it in the evening. And that's the biggest gift, I would say, you know, speaking of those big grand experiences, I could, you know, go on and on and on about them. But that's my favorite gift to share was the gift I got, which is to really allow ourselves to drop into the beingness of our magnificence. And in the other experiences of, was it similar where you went into this silent, dark space? I, you know, when I was little, I would drive through a tunnel and it, you, there would be that silence and darkness that from, you know, when you entered to when you left. And I always, I always felt peaceful. Like it was, the, similar to going home and it, I would always look forward to any tunnel so do you remember anything more about what happened or was it just that mm -hmm. well each of them was very unique it has its own fingerprint you know the, um, snowflakes of experience <clears throat> the first one I was traveling and I was a young girl um, 19 and I was traveling in Thailand and I went as far into the middle of nowhere as possible in Thailand you know got out of Bangkok took took plane train you know like this and I woke up the next morning and I ate a big plate of seafood I was overlooking the ocean I put up my feet and of course as soon as I relaxed my body went great <laughs> now I can do what I need to do I you know I need I need to rupture here I my appendix ruptured 
and which of course, as a naturopathic doctor, you would know is really dangerous. And um, my partner stole a scooter because it was the middle of the night by that point. I was vomiting blood. I was losing eyesight. He drove me on the back of a scooter, stolen because he couldn't find help, to the hospital where it was literally a straw roof hut um, and the doctors didn't speak any English. And they literally, what little English the one of them spoke, who was about, I think, 80, maybe 80 years old. He had big Coke bottle glasses about this big. And he, he looks at me, he says, you know, you surgery now or you die. <laughs> and of course I said, um, no, like fly me to Bangkok, get me out of here. He said, you fly, you die. <laughs> and of course, as a young girl, 19 years old, um, I'd heard horror stories from people who travel, you know, that they, you know, you can get kidnapped and they'll steal your organ and they'll sell it on the black market. And I mean, this is where my mind started to go. And, um, and it wasn't really an assuring environment because, you know, it was, it was a third, you know, third world country hospital. Um, and they took a long time to operate on me. They waited until they had the money. And so I was on my, I was, it was very thin line. And by the time they operated on me, the experience was very vivid. Um, things really came alive. And at that point, I really did think I wasn't going to make it. I was in a hospital um, room where they were all speaking Thai. They took a black Sharpie and drew down the center of my stomach. And I remember the sounds as they cracked the sheet and it slowly drifted down on my body. And then they, the Velcro was really loud. They pulled the Velcro with all of the incision tools and they were sparkling. And I looked over and I could see them glimmering in the light. And I, you know, I'm at that point in an altered state of consciousness already. But it was interesting because going back to what you were asking about this kind of tunnel idea, which is very common in near-death experiences, is there was an overhead light above me, the operating light. And I was looking up at that light and I was crying um, because I was, I was terrified. You know, I, I was thinking of all the things I hadn't done, all the things I hadn't said, you know, the fights I'd had with my parents, you know, just thinking of then, so all the regret just washing up over me. And I was, I was crying in a way where the tears were streaming down my face, but I wasn't moving. It was like my heart was being squeezed and, the, and my heart was crying at just all of the loss of life that I wasn't going to get to live. And in that moment that one of the nurses came over to me and she grabbed my hand and she didn't speak English, but there's, you know, that human connection that transcends language. And she just looked me right in the eye and she smiled and in the moment, I didn't think this is an angel, but without a shadow of a doubt now, I know, you know, this is, this is angels in human form. And in that moment, my consciousness just started to, to first, you know, be pulled deeply within, right into the womb, into the darkness, right? Very contracted right? In deeply, almost into what I call the hara, like two inches below your belly button, just all my energy pulled right into that focal point until all of a sudden, poof, and I just burst right out of my body. And the next thing I knew I was above my body looking down and I was in the corner of the room, almost like a scared cat <laughs> at first, because I was out of my body and I had, I didn't, you know, I was very confused and there wasn't a reference point. But then as I realized and got comfortable, 
I realized, oh, well, there I am. And, you know, I mean, I'm trying to verbalize this, which is, it's ineffable. It's hard to put into words. But once I realized that, you know, here I am out here, the body was of no concern anymore. And I started to travel and I started to move and I expanded far outside the room, far, far outside the room. So that was the first experience. And then the second experience, because I was at that point, a seasoned traveler, <laughs> I started to realize I'm not my body. I do have the ability to travel and to, to move beyond the limited consciousness of the, the density of my body. Um, I, I'm very good at traveling and I quite like it. And at that point, the difficulty was in coming back. There was less of a fight to come back because the will to live has to be there. And at that point in my life, it was a different point. I was pregnant. I had, um, I was misdiagnosed as a miscarriage. It got stuck in the, in the fallopian tube. And I was studying Chinese medicine at the time, going to an amazing, I wanted to be a doctor of Chinese medicine. And I woke up in the morning and I literally fell down and I went into cardiac arrest. I was losing blood desperately. The, the baby in the tiny little tube had ruptured and I was bleeding out. And um, I was rushed to a hospital where they couldn't operate on me. And it was a different experience because the, the life force that at that point, because I had more awareness and I was more curious, I became more of an observer of the experience. And by that point, I was a, a very seasoned meditator. And I had had other, you know, out-of-body experiences at that point. So I, I took on the curiosity of the seeker and the observer. And I just witnessed the, the blood leaving me and the life force, the vital life force leaving me. And you could see it because I started to get very white. And there was a doctor there. And again, another angel, without a question, without a shadow of a doubt. And she, I'll never forget the things we remember. She put on a jean jacket quite briskly, but she was very grounded and calm. And she just looked at me and she said, you're really close. And you know that, don't you? And I said, yeah. And she said, your family's not here yet. They're driving here. Can you wait? Can you wait until they get here? And she didn't say to die, but we both knew that's what she meant. And I looked at her and I actually had a sense of humor at this point. I think as we realized, like, there's no such thing as death, you know, we were not so f fearful of it. And I just said, well, I'm certainly up for whatever ride life has in store for me. And she said, good, because we've got to go to another hospital and it's an hour away. So she said, you know, let's do this. And so she threw me into the ambulance with another doctor and I flatlined twice in the ambulance on the way to another hospital where they could actually do the operation. And I was told I couldn't have kids. And I, you know, was told all these things, which later never turned out to be true. And I've defied all, all odds, you know, with the miracles of what we can do and how we can heal. So they're, they're like big, you know, rabbit holes we can go down here. But I always like to distill the most important pieces out of that, which is that um, nature of, the seeker, the spiritual seeker, the observation is that when we can start to realize our dance with life, the second near-death experience, um, I had a conversation with source power. And this time source power, rather than me going, I need to get back in my body. Because the first time I became quite claustrophobic coming back in my body, I developed claustrophobia. I found the body very limiting. And, and, and um, I, I, after that, never liked small spaces. Whereas the second one, I realized, okay, I'm not so keen to get back in the body. <laughs> I became quite 
unkeen. And I ended up being downloaded with some really powerful information, which was, you've still got work to do. You're not done. So I get that you don't want to go back into your body. And I get that being in the body is really challenging, but guess what? And obviously I'm paraphrasing a conversation beyond words with source, but the message was get back in there. You've got work to do. I'm with you and just stay open to receive the messages. And remember, you're not the driver because I like to drive. Remember, you're not the driver. Continue to let go, to stay open, and I will always be with there, but you've got big things to go back and do. So stay open to receive my messages. <laughs> I'm not giving you these near-death experiences just for fun. You need to know how to move into mastery later in your life because there's gonna come a point in time where this is gonna matter. And I believe that time is now. Dr. Jane, I believe now I'm, I'm being called. I've been, hi I've been hiding sort of in the hills, so to speak. And now these experiencers are starting to reveal themselves as now's the time to now start to talk about them, to give the gifts away and to step into that transformational leadership. And that vision was given to me so clearly. And by the time I got to that third experience, I was able to really integrate what it means to be a human, which ultimately means that we're, from my experience, spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings having spiritual experiences. And that is incredibly freeing and very liberating when we realize that, you know, we're, we're so much more than we realize we are, but we're not taught and we're not trained to understand our power and how to access it. Yeah. And I, I believe now is a transformational time as well. And that the shortest distance between where we were and where we want to go, I got a very strong message this morning too, and that's by letting go. And so your, your, your message is so to the point and incredibly powerful. And yeah, we need to be who we are right now. So yeah, what, was, what were the big things that happened after this happened to you? I know you did a fast in the desert, which is pretty incredible too. Like who does that? People, <laughs> <laughs> why would you go for 40 days without food? 40. <laughs> it was actually 41. Um, oh, you know, if I, it's, it's like, I, I don't think this, this is something that everybody needs to do. And in fact, I've now realized that transformation is actually so much more accessible. But at that time I had um, implanted in me that we need to suffer. We need it to suffer in order to gain mastery or to learn something or to gain something. I grew up with a father who was a professional football player and um, an Olympic skier, ski jumper. And so obviously a very, you know, interesting mindset. And it was a little bit of the no pain, no gain that was, you know, in, implanted in me. And it took a long time to deprogram that, but I was given lots of opportunities to practice. So the 40 day fast actually came about because after my appendix ruptured, and after I'd had a lot of surgeries, I had a lot of scar tissue in my stomach. And I actually was incised down the center, not a normal appendectomy scar, which is just a tiny little thing on the side. No, no, they went in and just cracked me right open from the top of my belly button to the top of my pubic bone. And by the time I got to my cesarean section with my first child, we might as well put a zipper in 
I mean, this, you know, it, it was a lot of scar tissue. And so I was studying a fellow that I'm sure you know, Gabriel Cousins at the time. And he wrote the book, Conscious Eating and Spiritual Nutrition. And because I'd gotten really into the need to study health, because I had lost my health, uh, I became very onboarded with his fasting. He's very, very big into fasting. And so I started with just kind of a little bit of fasting here and there. Um, but then I ended up having a really bad experience um, in my life. And I had, uh, at that time, a very unhealthy relationship. And that relationship was incredibly damaging and incredibly abusive. And when I look back on it now, the person I am now would never have allowed any of that to happen. And I'm shocked that half of it even did. But it happened to the point where it was so bad that I didn't speak for a month afterwards, after a specific event. And that event was so traumatizing. And because I didn't know it at the time, but I'm highly sensitive, I really took it into my body. And it was that was living in my body. And you combine that with all the antibiotics that I had taken to keep me alive in Thailand, combined with, you know, all of the issues I was dealing with that were never properly resolved from candida to issues with chronic fatigue because my immune system had been so suppressed and so damaged. My immune system was down. My eliminative systems were down. My digestive systems were down, which meant my mind was down. And at that point, I actually felt like I was dying. And because I'd been so close to life so many times, that that juxtaposition of not being a thriving being in mind and body and spirit I, I actually almost was at a point where I thought I'd rather be dead than not be here and be living. I felt like the walking dead. I was emotionally bankrupt and, and physically, all of it, none of it was functioning. And so when I read um, Spiritual Nutrition by Gabriel Cousins and he talked about a lot of what he talked about and then he talked about Jesus and he talked about the 40 day fast in the desert, I got this crazy idea that I'm going to do this. So I went to Mexico into the desert, um, quite remote. And I hung my enema bag by a tree several times a day. And I gave myself enemas and I meditated and I had an incredibly transformative experience, life changing. I thought maybe I'll last three days because we're so attached to food. I thought there's no way. I mean, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, of course, okay, so Jesus can do 40 days. I'm not Jesus. I'm not even going to last three days. But what was so shocking about this fasting experience is that it was really illuminating to me how, um, how we really are programmed, again, to be so attached to food and that we get so little energetic um, you know, nourishment from food. And yet we think that's where we get most of our nourishment from. And so my greatest realization was realizing how little comes from food. And in fact, how much food actually takes our energy away because of the food choices we make or because our digestion is not good. So we're not able to properly distill the nutrients. And I ended up losing six feet of mucoid plaque. I became a scientist and um, that was on the 39th day. So there is magic in the 40 days. There's something that happens after 40 days um, and, you, and you lose your desire for food. 
you know, I, I didn't have any desire to eat. The first three days I was starving. And then I got to a week and I thought, oh God, I'm never going to last eight days. But once you're into the fast, your body is just so grateful to be releasing the emotions and the toxins and to have the time to be able to just let go of the garbage that we've taken into it because, you know, the issues are in the tissues. They, we, we do store memories in our body. And it was interesting because on that 39th day, as I was releasing um, all of the things I had consumed, you know, I, I remember watching Poltergeist as a child, young child, because my grandfather was watching it late television. He passed out in his chair. He was snoring. And so I tiptoed down the stairs and, you know, I was watching Poltergeist. I think I was six. I mean, way too young to be watching heads spinning around on, you know, possessed people. Traumatizing visual. And as I was releasing, I actually had all the things that I had consumed coming out and I was re-experiencing them. And so the, it's not just a cleanse of the body, it's a cleanse on every level, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, because whatever we consume, um, whatever it is, whether it's visually or we hear it, or we you know, are exposed to it in a smell, you no know, smells can be very impactful. And so all of that started to be released. And what was so intense about it was that after 39 days, I thought, oh, good, I'm done. Because it was not, this is not an easy journey I was on. And I was alone. There was no one around, which I thought was really important. And I still wasn't hungry. And one of the things is that when the fast is done, your hunger returns. And I'm like, and then 40 days, I'm thinking, oh dear, you know, here we go, 40. And then 41 days. So my body wasn't done releasing. And then on the 41st day, I released again, another three feet of mucoid plaque, black in the shape of my colon, perfectly in the shape of my colon. And um, my eye color changed that day. That's how powerful of an impact it was. And all of that purging and cleansing that I did um, allowed me to come into connection with my natural environment around me because I was able to connect in with the natural environment internally. And I was able to tune into the frequency of the desert. And for the first time, all those Don Juan books that I had read, um, you know, the, the warrior path of the warrior books, where they talk about the, the desert coming alive, all of a sudden the desert started to come alive for me because the desert looks quite dead, but our perception isn't able to perceive the life that is there. And the life doesn't actually come out of the desert until you have the ability to perceive it, which is why in so many of the ancient texts, the desert is where they go to have their visions. And so it was revealed to me after 41 days, all of a sudden there was this oasis in the desert of life and of, of um, you know, animals and, you know, snakes would come and there was no fear with that natural environment because there's a lot of creepy creatures in the desert. Um, but I knew that there was no harm to be done because I intended no harm on that environment. And that was, you know, really, I, re I realized then that we do a lot of harm to ourselves and we allow our environments to do a lot of harm. And right now, one of the teachings that we're really pursuing at the moment is just common law, which is really coming right up against our freedom, which comes in so many forms, our spiritual freedom, our emotional freedom, our mental freedom, our physical freedom, all things I've had plenty of experience to explore. It's now giving me the strength to encourage others to start to look at things like our common law freedom. You know, what is our God-given freedom outside of outer authority imposing anything upon us? What is our God-given alignment 
with our sovereignty and, um, and our freedom. And so that whole vein there is a whole other level beyond. Hello. That's all, yeah. God's calling. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so it's, it's been a really powerful time now as we have a lot of, um, you know, uh, what is our freedom? And for me, spiritual freedom is, is at the forefront, but the, the, you know, coming into sovereignty ultimately now is at the forefront of, of the conversation and allowing ourselves to do no harm and to have others do no harm. And this is really the tenant, the, the pillar that all human beings are meant to live by, um, not these complicated structures of governance and ruling um, that impose things on us. And of course, it's right in our face in a really big way right now. So um, I'm really wanting to compel those that come into Thrive Tribes and our movement to really start to tap into the tribes and how we can find freedom, um, truth, our own personal truth, and unity amidst all of those tribes and to find our lane, to find our expression and to find our natural, because we're naturally drawn, you're drawn to health, right? And whatever we're naturally drawn into, then go into have that lane become your access to sovereignty. And if that's a new word to people, you know, access to our liberty. And there's a lot of conversation going on around that right now um, because of a lot of the censorship going on and, um, you know, I know a lot of the naturopaths are being censored at the moment. And I think that this is a wonderful opportunity. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to, to go, well, what does it mean to be sovereign? What does it mean to be free? And what does it mean to even ha have free speech and to be able to speak the truth? Yeah. And I don't think if I'd ever, if I hadn't had all of those experiences and the 40 day fast in the desert and really found my anchor and who I am and knowing why I'm here and my purpose, there's no way I'd be able to step out into the world and boldly speak the truth as I do now. There's just no way I would be able to do that. And um, so I'm, I'm inviting others at the moment um, to really go into that place, that gap where we can access what that freedom means to us. And ultimately all of those near-death experiences in the 40 day fast um, taught me that, that freedom is within. You know, freedom is within. That's where we first create it, whether it's in our, our health, our wealth, um, our physicality, you know, every, it's always an inside job, which is why I love your podcast so much, you know, empowered health, empowered mind. Um, you've got it, Jane, you, you absolutely have got it going on. And um, I just want to thank you for having me here on your show. I have so much respect for you and what you do and how you show up in the world. And uh, you've, you've become someone who I really look up to actually. And I just want to say that as I'm on here having this moment that you are a fierce woman with a huge heart and I have a lot of admiration for you. So. Thank you, Jamie. I love what you said um, <laughs> about sovereignty. And I think it's, I think it's what we all have to wake up to that we were, in a way from, you know, from the ages of zero to seven were programmed and many of the programs are to give away our power to something that, you know, we're taken to the doctor when we get sick. We're told to respect authority that is higher than us. 
and you know and government and so a lot of i think to realize and you did it in a really dynamic way in the desert but just to realize that we are sovereign and we you know to take back our power and to make our own decisions that are best for us is Mm -hmm. so important right now so tell us more yeah, there's a lot of um there's a lot of things insights i mean i could talk for days about the insights that came in the desert but one of the things that i found that was really important is that we are exposed to so much toxicity and we know that we're exposed to so much toxicity now more than ever and it comes in in a myriad of forms and whether that is the toxicity from our environment in the form of radiation from cell phone radiation and and that whole thing is huge there's a great documentary called um what's the name of it now i think it's like take back your power or something like that it's a documentary about you know maybe you can put it in the show notes for folks because it is so important to understand the soup of electromagnetic frequencies that we're living in and how we can protect ourselves, but also the extreme exposure that we're getting from fluoride, which is very damaging to our hormonal system and to our ability to connect and to tune in. Um, and it's, and it's put into a lot of things. And we also have a lot of the stuff being put into our soils and our air and our food. Um, and, and we're just, we're, we're swimming in a soup of toxicity and ultimately can feel really overwhelming. Like what doesn't cause cancer you know, or what isn't bad for me? And I get people that ask me all the time when I encourage them to take, you know, for example, you know, LED, I'm on this big thing right now, take, get the LED bulbs out of your home. You know, they're no bueno. They're really unhealthy for us. They're, they're very damaging and, and it's just one more onslaught. And so it's easy to feel out of control or why bother or where begin. But I think going back to that conversation about freedom and sovereignty, health sovereignty, um, soul sovereignty, sovereignty on all of it level, its levels comes from um, going back to that place where we can go back to the very basics of what nourishes us and what feeds us. And in the desert, what I realized is, you know, it's not, it's not food, right? It's, it's not all the things that I can consume. It's the well that rises up from within. And this is not something we're taught, right? The nourishment that I realize that comes from within like a wellspring from the very seat of our soul and can rise up. And any of you may have felt that in meditation, it's very common in near-death experiences or altered states of consciousness. Uh, when people have deep impacts in their life, they lose a loved one. You know, sometimes we can start to have that. Many people refer to it as awakening of the Kundalini. The energy can start to move. The portal of the solar plexus opens up and starts to pound. And, you know, unfortunately in our Western culture, we're not, we're not taught to access that PowerPoint that fills our being with that energy, that vital life force and that breath. So to, I just don't want to miss that piece because I did share about the desert is that getting into contact with breath and getting into breath work and, and learning how to access the portals of power through our breath is so incredible. So taking that in the desert, the breath with the grounding connected with the earth and the earth's electromagnetic frequencies combined with sun gazing and taking in the energetic light from the sun is that we're electromagnetic beings. 
So we're deeply impacted by what nature has provided for us, even just you know, sitting in rocks and the minerals that we can absorb through our skin. Our skin is incredibly absorptive, as you know. And, and here we are slathering on all of these toxic chemicals and our skin is eating literally through our body. And when I was no longer doing shampoo and I was getting feral and I was taking in these different forms of energy because I wasn't eating so I started to become aware of these other access points for energy. And one of the biggest ones was opening up the cells and opening up the pores in my body and opening up the, the retina, the eyes, to receive in the sunlight and to receive in the breath that incredible life force energy that allows us to go 40 days and actually much, much longer without the need for food. Like I wasn't starving. I was deeply purging all the stuff that wasn't native to me, that didn't belong to me and that wasn't my birthright. Things that I had taken on or the programming or the toxins in all their forms that I had taken on. So I think that sovereignty really comes actually from um, not from looking at the outside, but remembering that no one can actually take our true freedom away. And it starts from within. And then when we can tap into that wellspring at its core, we can then offer what that vision might look like for the world. Because ultimately, no one, no one can take it away from us, right? This is why man's search for meaning in Viktor Frankl, he found, you know, man's search for meaning in a bowl of, of soup in the Holocaust looking at a fish head right? He had his moment of, of realization. And for those people that haven't read that book, game changer book, I mean, just a game changer book, this man, you know, going through pure hell, hell on earth, and he manages to find connection and unity and oneness in a bowl of soup. Right? <laughs> Incredible. I think, yeah, you've, you've touched on everything that is empowering. And to connect to the earth, connect to who we are, connect to inside and to your heart too is really an essential thing right now. And then to connect to the unified field, which helps us remember who we are. The yes to the yes. Yes to the yes of the unified field. <laughs> I find the heart is such a tough one for people right now. Um, I mean, it's the only place, it's the only place to really live from, but there's so much pain there for people and so much grief and so much hurt. And of course the heart and the lungs are married. And so grief, which so shows up in the lungs, you know, as soon as we start to breathe, this is why I love breath work so much is because it can gently, you know, open up that heart space. But right now there's so much grief sitting on top of the heart, you know, and the heart, you know, is, um, you're just, the pain is really strong there for people right now, but the weeds are getting pulled. And I think this is the one thing that really gives me so much um, elevation at this moment. And I get up, I'm, I'm crack-a-lacking out of bed because I'm seeing that, you know, we're really breaking down um, so that we can have a breakthrough and, and we're really becoming aware of where we've gone wrong and what, how, where we can correct and continue and what's not serving us. And that's a real gift and it's a painful gift, but you know, I've had people say to me, Oh, poor you, that must've been so awful to go through all those near death experiences and lose those years of vital life and the ability to build a career or work. And it really is perception is everything because obviously I feel, and all of you can see who are listening to this, that if I hadn't have had that 
experience or those multitude of experience, there's no way that I'd have the perception that I have now or the ability to look at life the way that I do now or the relationship I do. And so I think a lot of the tough stuff is if we can find a way to just, just not resist it. And I think right now it's so easy to resist what's happening because it's so difficult. It's like wading through molasses, you know, and it's so painful and it's bringing up all of our wounds. It's bringing up all of our short, you know, our shortcomings as human beings and where we failed each other and where we failed our children. And nobody wants to look at that. Nobody's leaning in, you know, there's very few people right now leaning in. Most people, we don't, you know, we have such a, affinity to pleasure and such a, you know, aversion to pain. And with so much pain surfacing on the planet right now, it's hard for people to go, this is a good thing. This is a purging. This is us pulling the weeds so that we can see, you know, so that we can be shown, you know, what's been hiding, what's needing to be revealed because we can't heal it until we can name it until we can see it. And so I, I'm really embracing this time and I really want to encourage others to embrace this time and to allow that cleansing, just like in the desert for me, so that, you know, to give it some space to lean in a little bit on that pain and to know and trust that we're going to come out on the other side of it and that that, that is part of the journey. And it's like childbirth for those of you that have ever had children. It gets way worse before it gets better and talk about the tunnel, right? You go in, you know, it's like it wouldn't be the same on the other side of childbirth if, if it wasn't so much work. And right now we have to do the work. There's no getting around it. There's no magic pill. I don't think there's any shortcut and there's some suffering in that, but finding beauty in the suffering right now through human connection and through knowing we're in it together and through knowing and trusting that the solutions are in hand that if we were planting a garden for the future, all we need to do is just keep pulling the weeds from the garden and keep, you know, preparing the soil, knowing that we're creating a new reality and a new earth and that it's imminent, that those innovations and solutions are in hand and that, you know, we're, we're guided and we're cared for. And I can speak from coming from the other side, you know, that, that we never die. And I, I think our biggest fear is fear of death but really we are eternal beings and we never die and, and doing our best to move forward with that overlighting from our source power, knowing that we um, it's our birthright on this planet to move into a new reality. Cause it's just time. It's an idea whose time has come. So everyone hold on to your Holy shit handles, right? Keep your hands at the 10 and two and let's just unify, right? I think we really need to stop looking at how we're different um, and look at how we're similar and stop competing and look at cooperating and connecting and co-creating and collaborating. I call it the co-factor and I'm writing a book about it right now. All the ways that we can co together, become co-pilots in this journey and, um, and move away from those old paradigms, let go of the sides of the river, get into the current, lean in, grab your paddle and move. And that's really challenging for humans. So it's the most important message I can give people right now is as hard as it is to let go of what we know, what we know and the world we have been living in and where we've been is no more. But that's not a bad thing. We're moving into something really extraordinary and, and a world that we will be very proud to hand down our children. And I happen to have 
particular insight on that. And that was a gift that was given to me, which is why I have so much strength and so much love for this movement, Thrive Tribes, because I have so much confidence and certainty in the creation of what's coming. And that's, that's something I can give. That's something that I feel if there's nothing else I can give. I feel like hopefully people will be able to hear from me that, that, you know, there's so much uncertainty and unknown and where are we going and is the human race going to end and is planet earth going to end? And these are all really valid concerns. Um, and I'm really here to tell everyone that, you know, from my experiences that no, we're just, we're going into the portal and we'll come out on the other side, but we got to do it together. Yeah. Yeah. And so important, like we, there is a lot of fear right now, but to put that aside and like you say, focus on what feels right for each individual and paddle. <laughs> yeah. Is it, we're, we're kind of in a tsunami. I can, I, I kind of compare it to a tsunami and the sooner we lean in, the sooner we can get on top of the wave because the wave's coming, the wave's yeah. here. And the sooner we get on the wave and paddle, the, the better view we're going to have because <laughs> it's going to come and, and, it, and it's here. So getting on top of that wave, doing our best to ride the wave, to ride the wave together, to let go of the banks, um, to, to do our best to embrace the change and become comfortable as best we can with the uncertainty um, and to go within to find that deep trust. And, and really so much of what's happening right now, there's a lot of focus on what we don't want to create. And we are very powerful creator beings and we're becoming more so, more and more and more powerful. The time between what we think and believe is in to manifestation, that time is shortening. And so we're becoming more and more powerful. And we're kind of, a, a lot of people are starting to really come into that manifestation shortening. And it's a bit shocking because all of a sudden things are popping up much faster than they would, whether the negative or the positive. And so that feedback from our external environment is so much sharper, which is a beautiful thing, but it can also be really scary if people are wielding a sword that they don't know how to use. So we really have to be careful of our thoughts. We really have to be mindful of what we're saying, what we're thinking, what we're living into, because 90% of our thoughts are the same thoughts we had yesterday, probably more at this point. You know, we get on, on that same radio station and we keep replaying. And because we keep replaying, we keep recreating the same reality. And right now that reality is broadcasting really strongly out there, fear, you know, and really the biggest virus right now is the fear virus. And so right now, the hardest thing to do is to choose not to look in the ditch if we're on the highway, because if we look in the ditch, we're going to go in the ditch. We got to look to where we want to go and focus with really powerful intent on what we want to create and where we're going and then lean into it. And that is not something that requires a lot of people. I think, you know, we can often feel like we don't make that much of an impact or our voice doesn't matter that much or, but every, everyone, this is no man or woman left behind in my mind. It's, it's calling everyone to the table to just start to be aware of what we're focusing on because it really is something quite amazing when we realize that whatever we focus on expands. And so as we focus on the future we want to create and call it into our future now, it can happen very, very quickly, very, very quickly. But so many of us are so focused on the problems right now. So as soon as we, we name the problems and we're aware of them, and then we turn ourselves to the solutions, then I think we can actually have fun and remember that we're here to live and to dream, you know, and to tap into our 
thriving, you know, I call it the thrivolution. It's not even a revolution. It's a thrivolution. And that we can now tap into that in such a way where we can rise above a lot of the noise that's happening out there that can be so distracting. It's like crabs in a bucket right? We got to just keep crawling out of that sort of darkness that is so pervasive right now and in the media. And so um, it's really uh, like a vampire, like infiltrating our consciousness and it knocks on the door, but we don't have to let it in. We have free will. We have choice. We get to say what we take on and what we don't. And it's such an important time to just say, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm not going to let that in. Because remember, as soon as we take that consciousness in, it goes into our body, as, as the stories I shared with everyone today exemplify so well. Um, we have to be careful what we consume because the mind doesn't know the difference between something that we imagine in our mind or something that we see outside of ourselves that's not real and something that actually is real. The mind has no idea the difference. So by the time a child is 12 years old, They've watched 14,000 simulated murders on television and their mind does not know the difference. And that is really damaging, right, to the psyche. And our media has made that okay. Video games have made that okay. And I do believe there'll come a time in history when we're going to look back and realize that these are some of the greatest crimes against humanity is not understanding um, the fertile ground of our consciousness and how creative we are through our thoughts as electromagnetic beings. And I love Joe Dispenza. I mean, Joe Dispenza, he's, I want to get him on the Thrive Tribes TV podcast as soon as possible because he is a master at explaining that. I, I revel in the way he can, as a scientist, explain it. I've experienced it. So I come from an experimental, experimental place, but as a scientist, just Joe, his rewired program on Gaia is outstanding. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So Jay, you have a vision with Thrive Tribes. Just tell us a bit more about that. Because it, uh, it gives everyone a voice. That's the, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Well, six years ago, we were living in Mexico and um, I wasn't leaning in at that point. I was leaning out in a big way. Um, I'd had two children at that point that I was told I couldn't have. So I was feeling pretty lucky and we headed for the hills and moved out of Vancouver and um, decided we just wanted to live a simple life and, and be sovereign beings and grow a garden. And, you know, that was that. We didn't even have a car. We went really eco. We went really in, you know, hardcore environmentalist. And it was an amazing time, but life had other plans. And um, I've continued to be called. And I, and I continue to be reminded um, of, my, of my journey. And, you know, one of the reasons I'm here is my birth child, which is Thrive Tribes. And Thrive Tribes came because after Mexico, um, which is we had a hurricane there and our whole dream and our whole life that we had created there was, was wiped out very, very quickly. And I was pregnant with my third child at the time. We crash landed back in Canada and um, we really struggled for several years. And one of the things that I love about struggle <laughs> is that you know when things everything's going well you're not asking the same questions you know and the and and the quality of the answers really comes from the quality of the question you know what questions are we asking ourselves and so of course i was like on the floor really struggling we had lost a dear member of our family um and so there was a lot of grief and and three little kids and uh it was a very challenging time so i needed a forklift to get me off the ground on the kitchen floor 
And sometimes the nice thing about being laid out and on the kitchen floor and not able to get up for all of you that may be there right now. Um, and, and that's really normal, by the way, you know, if that's where you are, is that when we're there on the floor and we can't get up, it's a really good time to ask the questions that are the most important to you. And the question that I asked in, in my moments of total darkness and despair, knowing, even knowing, I mean, with everything I knew then, a lot of what I know now, I was still on the floor, you know? So you, nobody's immune to being on the floor, nobody. The, the, the important thing is that when we're on the floor is that we, we know that, A, we can never stay there. It's the nature of life, right? The law of the ocean, you know, things are always changing and the only thing permanent is change. And when we ask the questions, that's when we're going to get the answers. If we're really clear, if we really ask the questions. And the question I asked how can I serve? How can I, my ego, get out of the way? And how can I serve right now at this time? And whoo, Jane, it came in like a lightning bolt. It was like the creator went, oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Nobody asks. You know, very few people ask. So we're so glad you asked. My deepest, darkest times, I've asked the same question and get the whoosh. It's so crazy. Anyway, go on. So oh, I love that you shared that. <laughs> the whoosh, it is. It's, it, and I get, you know, like the truth shivers when I share it because it came in like a lightning bolt and the clarity. And it was, I didn't get it in words and it, that's, it never comes like that for me, but it came in like a grid and in visual and in a lot of, um, like fractal type images. And so I had to actually go and research fractals and research the golden ratio and research, you know, geometry and numbers because it came in mathematically, you know, like, like nature's precision. And I, oh, when I, when I started to piece it all together and that there needed to be 12 core tribes um, and there needed to be one tribe at the center, one tribe that unified all the tribes. And, and then the, the tribes came through as the 12 major sectors of human experience and human, human life. So, you know, the Joe Dispensa power of our mind stuff, well, that's mind tribe, right? That was just, it was, it was like a seed that got planted in that section and that piece of the pie of the wholeness of our existence. And then all the other pies, right? Um, wealth tribe, which is economic sector, um, boss tribe, which is entrepreneur, our, our livelihood, you know, how we're expressing ourselves and, and creating income for our families and putting food on the table and ultimately creating freedom. And at the core of all the tribes is freedom, right? In wealth tribe, it's financial freedom, right? In um, health tribe, it's health freedom. In mind tribe, it's freedom from, you know, our own thoughts can be our best friend or our worst enemy. So it's really tapping into each of the tribes that we're most attracted to. And, and I, we have fun with it, you know, find your thrive tribes and join the thrive evolution. And we call ourselves, you know, thrive evolutionists and thrive solutionists. And we, I mean, there's so many thrive puns at this point, we're building a thrive pyre and we, I'm having a lot of fun with it because I'm so certain that it's going to help so many people because I was open to receive something who's, it's just time. It's just time for change and transformation, but we need, we need organized change. We need, you know, we need a way to implement that and to bring to light solutions like free energy, which we discuss in Eco Tribe. Um, there's all these solutions out there, but we need to organize together and they're all happening in separate little pods all over the world, 
um, but we need to bring it together and, and put everyone together and working together so that we can speed it up. It's like, oh, you're doing that over there. Great. That's your lane. Okay. I'm over here. I mean, so you're in health tribe. You're also in mind tribe. I mean, those are two obvious tribes for you. Guaranteed you're in soul tribe, right? That's all about the evolution of consciousness. And of course, you know, we will call that the woo-woo tribe for fun. Um, all of the tribes really culminate in our ability to organize effectively the most powerful aspects of our lives and move from survive to thrive in the most effective, efficient way possible while we're inspiring and elevating and igniting people to recognize their divine human potential and how powerful we are with other people and that we're not in this alone and it and the call came in so strong with covid because suddenly everything that thrive tribes represents was being challenged right our freedom of speech was being taken away our freedom to move about freely was being taken away um, our freedom with our health sovereignty was being taken away and I've actually should watch my verbiage because it's not being taken away I don't believe that it can be taken away um, unless we let it we're so powerful there's no way any of this can be taken away it's really a reclamation and so what thrive tribes is really about is just that reclamation of our birthright which is we are here to thrive you know there's no reason that planet earth cannot be heaven and it is heaven and um in other uh and you know this may sound a little, this is coloring outside the lines perhaps for some people, but because I have traveled and, and been outside of my body and had multiple near-death experiences, we are not alone, folks. <laughs> we are not alone, okay? There are so many beings out there in the universe and, and um, we are not alone on this planet. And again, I know that's coloring outside the lines. To me, it's very normal and natural. I just accept it because I'm very comfortable with it. I know if that's a new concept for people, it's kind of... But um, it's an evolutionary process and none of us are alone. And yet the perception right now, because of what we're allowing, is giving us this feeling of being alone. And then that feeling creates more aloneness and then it creates the thoughts that create more aloneness. And so there's just so much aloneness going on, people feeling like they've landed on the wrong planet. <laughs> you know, what planet am I on? Or, or feeling disconnected from humanity or worse, not, not being proud to be human, which I know is very common right now. I know people who are completely traumatized to even call themselves human beings. And I think it's so important right now to, despite the, the difficulties going on right now, is to embrace humanity and to just extend a hand where we can and to do no harm and to go back to constantly just that basic i mean do away with all the other rules and 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 you know things that are imposed on us because you know they can be very complicated and they exist and they're there but just for a second if we can all just live by that basic you know um birthright god god's right and we're born with it that sovereignty of do no harm to yourself and do no harm to others it would solve every single problem in the world and right now we're being asked to do that first with ourselves and thrive tribes ultimately is a platform for people to come to and find personal sovereignty right and to find where they're attracted to truth tribe is for a lot of people, that's where they're exploring what's really happening on the planet. Is that real? What's real? What's not? You know, so much of what we've been told isn't real. And it's so hard to know if you're looking outside of yourself what's real. 
So it pairs nice with soul tribe. <laughs> a lot of the tribes are sister tribes and they support one another. Health tribe, you know, is very, very connected with eco tribe because how we care for our soils and our food deeply impacts our health. So a lot of them pair naturally together and they all unite it at the core with one tribe, which is ultimately we need to get away from looking at how we're different and then looking at how we can pull together because at the end of the day, that's the call. The call isn't tomorrow. The call isn't a week from now. I don't actually think the call was yesterday. Um, I think we're, we're right there where I'm asking people to allow themselves to feel the call. And if there's ever a time in history where we're being asked to be okay with not knowing, because we've been, we've been taught a lot of things that aren't true right? By our, by our culture and our society. And it's a time to let go of our roles, you know, all the things we've been told, what we think is real, what we think is true, and to be very open-minded and very open-hearted. And this is a very difficult thing to do because programs run really, really deep. But I'm really calling people, everyone right now, that so much of what's going on is not real. And the greatest thing we can do is open our mind and tap in and I find very quickly as we tap into our health and we fix our health and we come to relationship with our health, we come to relationship with our soul and our soul's journey, and we come to relationship with our environment, all the tribes really are intermeshed and working together. And it's ultimately an ecosystem of humanity. And that is something that was downloaded. It does not belong to me. And it's really a platform for the people. It's really a platform for personal change, but it's also a platform for global change. Um, it's a platform of the highest call for transformation into the new earth reality. And it is, it, is, it is definitely a birth child, but it's something that I don't own because I know that it was simply because I got out of the way. Jay got out of the way and said, how can I serve? The download came in and then now my job, my duty, my dharma is to just give it away. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to morph and move. It's a living, breathing entity and it's going to do what it needs to do. I don't, I've let go of the sides, believe me. And it continues to surprise and delight me because it's already alive. And so I think we're going to see some really interesting things happen with who comes to the table and who's drawn to the movement and, and what it does over the years to come. But um, I've now got my fourth child fully birthed. Um, we've laid the foundation and uh, it's in its early stages. But I think what we're going to see now is we're going to see a lot of growth really quickly because people are ready. I really think people are ready. They're, they're asking. I, I don't think there's very many people that you'd find right now who are pressed to keep, want to keep things the same. <laughs> no, <laughs> It's wonderful. And I just love how you're, you know, in one way, if you become who you are and in another way you ask, how can I serve? Then you will find your tribe and be able to contribute in your own beautiful way. How do people, what do people do if they're, excited about this how do they find thrive tribes yeah so um the podcast we have a podcast uh it's it's in its infancy but we've had some really amazing interviews with change agents and thought leaders already all over the globe it's kind of like bees to honey we're just attracting some really amazing thought leaders and so thrive tribes tv 
Um, it's on all major podcast platforms. I think it's a great place to go and have a conversation um, and get involved because it's a very open platform and we'll be soon opening up Thrive Tribes live, which will be live broadcasting, which is going to be super fun and super spicy. And I think it brings that like in the moment element where, where guests can get on the call and ask live questions. So I'm super excited about that. We're also um, lining up. Uh, we'll see how things go with, with sort of the, the virus, okay, the fear virus right now um, that's sort of penetrating so deeply and, and, and you know, changing the way that we sort of do things. Um, we wanna have a global summit. We'd love to have it in person. Um, I think this would be amazing. However, we may need to do an online global summit. So we'll do a Thrive Tribes global summit um, coming up, which I'm really excited. I want to, you know, sort of let people know as soon as I can that that's coming. It's going to be a, a explosion of epicness. And um, we definitely have some offerings that can really help people to get in and understand the tribes and understand how they can get their own platform. Because ultimately it's a platform and it can allow people who are aligned with thriving, who have either health products or offerings or whatever it is that they're doing that helps humanity to thrive that's the basic tenant, um, then, you know, people can hop on board and message me through um, the multiple tribes. I, I'll get all of them. And we're always looking for people to moderate the tribes, to get involved. Um, this is a people's movement. Um, and so right now we're looking for moderators on the tribes. If people are drawn to a certain thing, for example, if you're in permaculture, you're going to love eco tribe. You might want to get in there and, and get involved at a deeper level. So there's that call. Um, we've got, you know, lots of people filling the wealth tribe space, which is educating people on gold and silver and the importance of understanding the economic transfer we're in. It's big um, cryptocurrency, um, gold. Um, married with cryptocurrency. This is something that's so important for people to learn. So I suggest people go to Thrive Tribes Global, okay, if you're on Facebook, and um, it houses all the tribes. So you can see all the tribes there. You can also go to thrivetribes.com. It's a pretty, it's a behemoth, right? Like there's a, there's a lot of angles because we want, we want to meet people where they're at. And this is something that's really, really important is that, you know, right now I've got a lot of friends who are, um, you know, in a very spiritually conscious place. So when they hear people talk about um, the fight, right, got to get out there and we got to fight, got to fight for our earth or we got to fight for this or, you know, we've got some warriors, you know, well, the warriors and the spiritual people, you know, they're in different worlds right now. And I, I, I happen to think one of my superpowers is I can, I can relate with all of them, right? So right now, you know, if I'm talking to someone who's saying, I don't want to do the fight, it's like, great, you don't need to. Be where you're at, be in your lane, soul tribe. <laughs> soul tribe, sister, get in there, elevate the consciousness and help people to access are thriving through that access point. We've got other people who are like freedom and justice warriors right now. And they're like, they're on the front lines and they've got that right now. And you know, you can't get them to be anywhere than where they're at. That's where they're at. So we meet them where they're at and they're in freedom tribe. Right. And that's where they're at. And for people who are really passionate about bringing awareness to health and the health journey and all of the aspects of the health journey, you know, they're in health tribe and they're giving their gifts and contributing there. So for example, 
obviously with your permission, I'll, I'd love to post this interview in Health Tribe so people can be aware of your work, be aware of what you do and the guests you bring on. And then we're leveraging our platforms so that more people get exposure to the people out there that are focusing on a thriving world and not just surviving. So people can access, um, maybe you can put it in your show notes, um, darling, but um, for $27, which is just a minimal entry into an exposure for all of the tribes. And um, we thought about doing it for free, but we, we, we've done things for free before. And what happens um, is that people don't, don't value it as much. It's an unfortunate reality of, of human nature, you know, and all of you can access all the tribes without it. But what I find about the Survive to Thrive course through Thrive Tribes Academy is people can get in there and they can really get a ton of value and really dig in and learn how they can leverage their own platform. Because at the end of the day, you know, we need to all be putting food on the table and not be in survival mode. And so I love to help the boss tribers, you know, the entrepreneurs right now, especially because we've got so many people who are struggling financially because businesses are being shut down and they've been impacted is, you know, I love to pair people who want to get out there and give their gifts or move their businesses online and help them um, with some exposure through the platform. And so that's, I feel like if that's something that we can do, let's do it. Let's get as many people the exposure that they need. So we don't have it launched yet. We're still so early in the process, but we will have a directory where people can get in and they can access the, the global Thrive Tribes directory. And moving forward, there will also be physical Thrive Tribes around the world. We, also, we have five pillar tribes set up around the globe already, and those will be sustainable communities um, focused, you know, in, in thriving future and things that care for people, planet, and they'll base, be based in sacred economy principles. So really new paradigms for a lot of people, but really fun and something we can get behind and sink our teeth into. And um, really the most important thing is just to just start listening to the podcast, you know, just start getting involved, figure out where you may want to have a voice, or if you just want to observe for now, I think that this is a time when many people are feeling the call mm -hmm. they're feeling that their voice is being called or their experience they're being called to share their pain and i think if there was ever a time um to 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 get out there and to share um it's now and so i think that's probably one of the greatest gifts that thrive tribes offers as a as a broadcasting and media outlet but also as an ecosystem and platform designed as a directory especially as we move forward I hope that all makes sense. I know it's a lot. Believe me, I birthed it and downloaded it. And I was like, really? <laughs> Couldn't we just global. do one tribe? <laughs> Isn't that enough? It's global yeah. and it has to be organized. It, it has to be. So it has to, it's complicated and yet simple all at the same time. But I would it's say. It's quite simple. It, it yeah. doesn't sound it. But I think once people plug in, you find an entry point and then it's just, you know, it's kind of like concentric. It just, as you grow, you know, your exposure to what's available grows as well. And so it's just, it's something that grows, I believe will grow with us as we grow. And it's very much an evolution of consciousness. Each tribe has its own vibe, you know, and your vibe attracts your tribe. So you go into the different tribes, you can really feel, I mean, if you really love health, 
health tribe will blossom into something quite extraordinary to really be an access point for anyone in the health field to be able to bring that light of health to the surface and get on the blowhorn and amplify their messages um, and amplify the messages of the people, um, businesses and products that we all care about that we want to vote for with our attention and vote for with our wallets at the end of the day. Right. And I, I think if you were really excited about this to take the course, survive to thrive would be very helpful to help you understand the vision and where you would fit in. Yeah, it breaks it down the first, it breaks down the first six tribes and then gives thrive hacks. What we've kind of had fun with, we call them thrive hacks, just like instantly applicable things that people can do in their daily life, but also a deep dive on the tribe, that specific tribe, and then a whole bunch of value around that tribe. So, you know, it's, it's, it's easily something that, you know, it, the value there is, I think, priceless. Um, and I encourage people, I do, I, I think it's a really great way to kickstart them into sinking their teeth into the movement. Um, and they can kind of find their place within it quite quickly that way, for sure. And that, um, yeah, I think probably the best way is to put it in your show notes if people are interested in that. And that'll just take them to the academy where they can sign on. And I love that because I feel like if people, it's one way people vote with their wallet. And because I'm such a giver, right? I end up, anyone who is involved in the course, I end up just loving on them. And, you know, um, we usually feature two people who take the course on the podcast, you know, who are just starting, who want to get their voice out into the world and want to talk about whatever it is they're excited about and, and their view of thriving on the world. So it's, um, it's a, like an entrepreneur beginner series. Yeah. And I really love to do that, you know, because sometimes the hardest part is starting. Like, where do I start? And oftentimes things are priced so highly um, that people don't have an access point. Like, how do I get in? Where do I start? And I find once you find your tribe and you get with your people, everything just starts to unfold and you've got the community there that can support you, um, whatever your vision is, whatever your dream is. And of course, it goes without saying, I think that you can see there's a lot of cross-pollinating that happens between the tribes. A lot of people are in multiple tribes and they end up supporting each other um, you know, across the tribes. Yeah. And that is a beautiful, magical thing to see in the ecosystem. And again, because it's early stages, um, I can't even possibly imagine, I think, what's going to happen as more and more people come to the platform and start to leverage the platform for change, which initially will happen through the Thrive Solutions Hub. And the Thrive Solutions Hub um, is in partnership with the Thrive Movement, which is Foster and Kimberly Carter Gamble. And that's the Thrive movie, Thrive 1 and Thrive 2 that was just released. And they have something called the Thrive Solutions Hub and Thrive Tribes is on their Thrive Solutions Hub, which is a, um, the best way I can put it is if you don't sort of know decentralized systems. So we're moving away from centralized systems um, which is really about domination and control and not for the people, it's for the corporations. And we're moving into systems that are decentralized for the people, by the people. And the system that they've created is, is really, we don't need to create our own because they have it and we've plugged into it in partnership with them. And that Thrive Solutions Hub is an open source system, meaning that, you know, we're all there at the table going, okay, this is what I got. This is the solution. What do you got? What do you, and we're all throwing into the, into the pot 
um, what we want to see brought to light. And it's, it's a brilliant freedom portal without a question. So, um, and, and certainly I would say contact me if you get really excited about getting involved in the Thrive Solutions Hub and you want to get, you know, deep, more deeply involved, but it kind of starts with the entry point of Survive to Thrive because then you're going to kind of get to start to figure out, okay, wh where do I maybe fit here? But you can, if you go onto Facebook or any of the major platforms and you put in Thrive Tribes or put in Tribes, or thrive, it's gonna, they're gonna pop up. And you'll see, cause there, there's the wings, the golden wings will pop up all over the place and you'll see all the, all the main tribes. There's also sub tribes. And those sub tribes are things like teen tribe for the teens, right? Really important. Um, you've got tech tribe, which is all about innovative technology from cancer healing, which cross pollinates with health tribe to free energy and all of the innovations that are right here, but sadly are being very suppressed right now. So we're, we're bringing them to light and strength in numbers. And the more people we can have talking about, Hey, there's already cures for cancer. Hey, there's already cures for our energy woes and our planetary woes. As far as the environment, it's all right there. We just have to reach out and put it on the table, give it that love and attention and then amplify it. And that's really what we're, what we're, what we're out to do is just amplify it all and bring it to the light. Yeah. And it has to be amplified. And the more that are involved, the more it's just going to come out. Yep. Calling all change makers. This is not something that it's, it, it's been like an 800 pound gorilla initially, just, just, because I got the download to lay the grid. And of course I've been relying on multiple people to, to co-create and collaborate on it with me. But sometimes in the beginning, too many cooks in the kitchen also can make it a bit tricky because that original seed was planted in my consciousness. And so I had to let it grow to a place, but now um, it's like a wildfire, you know, the wind has caught it and now it's going and it's, and it's almost like, you can just feel that whoosh and I can feel when that whoosh comes into other people when they get exposed to it and they sort of start to get get a handle on on what it is and that it's a living breathing ecosystem and it's been fascinating to see how people want to plug into it so that's what I'm most excited about is you know what what's going to come and how are people going to be able to you know contribute their gifts yeah. and also you know receive that that you know give and receive that is so essential to a healthy, thriving, you know, heartbeat of a society. And, and we've been so polarized for so long into, um, you know, the other, the other, yeah. <laughs> that, that which shall not be named, you know, the, the sort of like the, the darkness that is really prevalent on the planet right now. And I, I don't think I could get out of bed unless, unless I knew that we had the solutions in hand and that we had the ability to act on them and we had the organized because you guys will see on my, on my Instagram or on, you know, any of my posts, I do, I post my favorite saying right now, which is those who love peace much must learn to organize as well as those who love war because the people who love war, they're very organized <laughs> and they've been entrenched for a really long time. And there's a lot less of the, of the um, entities that love war and a lot more of us that want peace, but we need to get organized about it in a way where we can move it forward and give it voice and do it quite quickly, right? So, so the call, there's not an urgency like the house isn't on fire. I don't want people to, you know, but I think all of us know 
that we want to see the change and we want to see it, you know, we've got children, right? We want clean water. We want good food for them. You know, nobody wants to be the first generation of kids that doesn't live as long as their parents. We know, we all know the statistics and it's so easy to look at the grimness and, you know, now it's more likely you'll get cancer than not and all of these things. Well, this is, this is not a death sentence, right? It doesn't have to be, but that's what we're being fed. And if you choose to eat it and consume it, you know, it's like a, it's like a poison. It slowly seeps in and all of a sudden we're taken over by those lower fear vibrations. And because it's so, so heavy on the planet right now, we really have to feed the white wolf, right? If we feed the dark wolf, well, which wolf is going to grow, right? Mm -hmm. The dark wolf's going to grow. So we have to keep feeding the white wolf and keep having elevated conversations and then bring it and just call all the people that join the Thrivolution. And, you know, we can have a fun time doing it. You know, we, we can enjoy the transformation. There's a lot of tough stuff going on and that's not easy. But that's part of the human journey is that without the day, there's no night, right? We wouldn't know love if we didn't know its opposite. And so right now we've got so much to show us how hard things can be, which means that we can really take those moments to savor the sweetness that is available to us, which in, in every moment, even if it's Viktor Frankl looking into a bowl of soup with a fish head in it, even if it's that, you know, his, his perception was, I have food right? Not this is, I'm, you know, in a Holocaust, I'm starving, uh, you know, I've got, I'm looking at a dead fish head and, I, you know, I've lost my whole family, which would be an easy thing to focus on. No, Victor said, no, I, you know, I'm really blessed. I'm alive. I'm here. And that can be really challenging to do when there's so much coming at us. So the last thing I really want to encourage everyone to do is be careful what you consume, like what you listen to, right? what you're tuning into, what stations you're tuning into, um, because most of it is programming. Programming meaning that everything has a frequency. And just like a radio station, everything, everything has a frequency. Every snowflake creates its own unique snowflake. And snowflakes that have a certain vibration, let's say hate, form deformed um, crystals that are fragmented, asymmetrical, and, you know, let's say ugly, right? Whereas crystals of love and elevated feelings and peace and inspiration hope they form beautiful crystals, but each word, each vibration has its own crystal. And so when we realize that we're 95% water, right? We're, we're literally so creative in this, in the structures, the crystalline structures that we're forming in our, through our thoughts and through our beingness that right now more than ever, because we're in this transition phase, that that tipping point into what we can manifest so quickly is so much closer than people realize. But it's so tempting to not create what we want because the way humans are designed is survival, the reptilian brain. That's why we talk a lot in Thrive Tribes about moving from survive to thrive, getting out of that need to survive, right? Fight or flight and moving into our elevated states, which means tuning in and leaning in to our creative abilities. And we're so much more powerful, so much more powerful than any of us realize. And when we start to do that in unity, we start to wake up together and tap into knowing and learning how to access our abilities to manifest abundance, manifest 
um, anything really that we want in our life, which for me is a thriving, beautiful world that my children can inherit and that your children can inherit. Um, Cause I'm going to be on my deathbed and my kids are going to go, my mom really went for it. <laughs> you know, My mom was out there and she really went for it. And I think right now we have to ask ourselves, you know, what are we going to give our children and, and how are we going to contribute to the creation of, of that generational equity? Cause right now we're handing down generational inequity and it's my greatest mission and vision and intention to hand down generational equity so that they can keep passing it down. And this is a living legacy. I think for all of us that we can put our fingerprint and our hand on. So right now with all of you as my witness, I, I bless this journey and I, I bless this project and um, I continue to get out of the way. I continue to get in the way and just call in the highest power to overlight it and guide it for the greatest and highest human potential that we're capable of and to create what I believe is heaven on earth. There's no reason children should be starving. There's no reason that people need to suffer the way they suffer. And we have that power to change it. We really do. Yeah, totally. And yet yeah, we can create whatever our heart desires. And I don't feel, yeah, we have to go down that dark, that dark path. We all have the ability to figure this out and thrive. Mm -hmm. Amen, sister. <laughs> Thank you so much for this electrifying conversation today. Thank you so much, Jay. Yeah, it was really, truly my pleasure. I, I love um, sharing it. I will, I will get better at articulating it. It's still fresh. And uh, I, I want to be able to really help people to understand what it is. So I hope everyone can bear with me. I'm, I'm postpartum. <laughs> yeah, I've just birthed it. So I'm still, you know, working with how I can, but it's gonna, it's because it's so new, you know, and with your help and everyone's help who gets involved, we can just continue to, you know, allow it to be accessible. Cause ultimately that's, that's my greatest desire. Um, and I, and I, it's already done. So be it. I mean, it's at this point, I'm sort of going, you know, I'm chopping wood and carrying water. You know, I'm just, I'm just a workhorse at this point, really. You know, I'm like, okay, okay, boss. <laughs> and that's the beauty of being taught through, through death, near death experiences, you know, just bless you, but nobody's interested in you and your ego, you know, get out of the way and, and become a divine vessel for transformation. And, you know, that's, that's really a humbling thing. Um, it's almost like being so small and yet being so big all at the same time. And I think that sums up the human experience, doesn't it? Perfectly. <laughs> I'll include all those links so people can, you know, get involved and learn how to thrive and get in touch with you. And I encourage everyone out there to do that. Just that. Take your power back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to everyone out there, I, want, I just want to remind them, don't give away your power to anyone else. Just go be you and be the wave. Thank you, Jay. Mm -hmm. Bless you, darling. Lots of love to you, sister.